This is The Extra Mile. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Extra Mile. I'm Caleb Spear along with... G5. The G5. How you doing, George? Uh, I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Um, this is a sweatshirt day. This it is, is a sweatshirt day. It is. It's supposed what, to be like what 80 sweatshirt degrees, are you though. rocking here? Champions, man. Wow, it's a bold claim. <laughs> yeah, well, Champion. get on board. I'm loser. wearing, what am I wearing? Oh, I'm wearing the Santa Catalina so, shirt. So, yeah, loser. That's what, loser. That's, that's Santa what Catalina saying. is a cool place. <laughs> <laughs> that's an oh, island off of Southern California. There's bison really? there. Is that the one you're talking about with uh, the White Sox? The Cubs. The Cubs? Yeah. The Chicago Cubs used to do spring training there. Sometime in the 70s, they left. Fancy. Spring training there. Yeah, interesting place. Neato. But we're not here to talk about baseball. I would talk forever about it. Uh, but we are here to talk about prayer something much more important mm-hmm. um prayer <sighs> and we want to tie prayer into because there's a lot of things going on in the world today a lot of people are struggling and we wanted to center our focus at least today on prayer and encourage you to keep praying yeah i notice here in lubbock at the milwaukee ave coc and a lot of our corporate or public prayers as the assembly right. there's been uh, lots of pleading for peace in the world and we'll talk about that in our podcast a little bit as a lot of you know the news of um the conflict and the invasion of Ukraine from Russia and how that's impacting humanity, obviously, the world, and even brothers and sisters in Christ in Ukraine and in Russia. Both, yeah. yeah there's yeah. a lot going on over there. Yeah, and Nate, who we had on before, he's talked about, and he's been over in Russia and, and worked with the brothers and sisters there. Yeah. So, yes, we got to remember both sides, too. Yeah, so we'll talk about that. Um, but overall, let's just take a little overview on on prayer. Uh Again, I always simply define prayer as communication with God. I think, again, that may... I agree with that. That's very simple, yep. That that would, some people stop and, you know, singing, whether it's in my car or, again, on the Sunday assembly. I think singing is can be a sense of prayer to God. The Psalms can be songs and prayers. That's kind of what we see is it meshing together. Yeah. And last week we talked about conversations with people, and here we are talking about conversations with God. Yes, conversations with God, the relational aspect uh, in in such a prayer. And there's many ways and forms I think prayer comes. You have the two-second prayer when you're walking in. little flare prayer. I like, yeah, the flare prayer. Quick (laughs) prayers before you have a conversation with someone or hour-long prayers like, Come in all and we see and sizes. Nehemiah giving those prayers all the time when he's you know talking to the king. He's giving a prayer. He's uh, you know looking at the walls. He's giving a prayer. He's mm-hmm. giving he's giving quick prayers and long prayers. And indeed, obviously, as Christians, we need to pray. Um, and we we've talked about evangelism a few weeks ago with Ben Hall from Brooklyn. And I, in a sermon like a month or so ago, I'd gone to Ephesians 6, where it's put on the whole armor of God. and But then it, with Ephesians 6, he points out, hey, the sword of the Spirit, right, the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit. That means my prayer life needs to be derived from God's Word. That's where I get everything I need to know about prayer to equip me in this full armor of God, and it's a tool, it's a weapon. The Word of God and prayer is a weapon in the spiritual life, which means if we do not have a healthy prayer life, we're struggling to actually believe we are in spiritual warfare. Because mm-hmm. that's what this life can be a battle, and we need to be ready for that. Yes. I think it's I think it's very accurate to talk about and look at it as this this battle. Of course, First Thessalonians five seventeen says, you know, pray uh, without ceasing. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people are going to ask though, Caleb, how do you do that? 
you, nonstop, out loud, verbal prayer, so everyone hears you wherever you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, that, I, my understanding, I think most people would say, that I think our prayer without our praying without ceasing is that that mindset. And that's what I'm talking about and tied in with Ephesians 6, armor of God, which is if we're only praying for dinner, if we're only praying at church, or if there's something I really, really need or want, um, God's still going to listen, yeah, obviously, obviously yeah. but I'm treating God kind of more like either ritualistic or like a well, genie in the bottle. And that's, that's not... That's the thing, ritualistic, I like that idea. I think we've gotten so traditional sometimes, we get lost in prayer, and we have to try to make it this habit because we believe we have to open up with the dear God and, and, and amen at the end. Yeah. the Again, ritual by itself is a neutral thing. Right. Same thing, with, but like you can read Daniel, when he's caught, he prays three times a day, and that's that was his ritual. Um, but rituals can get dangerous. Um, like before Jesus, we'll talk about it later, talks about the Lord's Prayer. I mean, in Matthew 6, verse, where is it, 7? When you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Mm-hmm. Don't be like them. Um, sometimes our prayers, there are examples that we'll look at of long prayers, short prayers. Um, sometimes we feel pressure that it's got to be really long and eloquent. Uh, no, sometimes we're scared. Um, you know, I hear this a lot from people, from people who are old down to the teens, which is what if I'm just struggling on what to say? (laughs) Right. Um, you felt that way before. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you just, um, it just doesn't come out the way you want it to come out. You're, you're feeling it, but you can't put it into words. And that's why I think I find it very valuable that Ephesians 6 was saying, hey, the sword of the Spirit, that's the Word of God, but we're also praying in the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not unintelligible you know, babblings. That's in the Spirit is full of, I would say, the in that context, the knowledge of God, His, um, His Word. And, and one of those I think of when we struggle on... What do I pray for when I'm, when I'm struggling for words is actually out of Romans 8. Likewise, verse 26, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Right on. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. That's a beautiful passage. Mm -hmm. And it's one I like to reference when I'm saying I'm struggling, you know, for words. Or sometimes I'm saying I'm struggling on, on taking this seriously when I know I need to be taking it more seriously. And I'll ask for you know, God intercede in that way. Does that make sense? No, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, give me the words. And, and sometimes, um, some of the things that I find helpful is, is going to the Psalms and you can even pray some of those, those, those prayers and it can help you give oh, you a starting place. That's a good idea at home. Open up a Psalm. Um, Psalm 91 is a good one. Um, where, you just read that out loud, and you can find the things that might be applicable to right. you today. Um, uh, re- really good, really good. I like going to the examples of, of Jesus, um, right? Yeah. I think it's Luke 11. The disciples say, Lord, 
teach us to pray, we should be asking that same question today. <laughs> <laughs> no, we do need to. We do need to be taught how to pray. And I think people get so caught up in the details of it as well, right? They get so caught up in the details that they think they have to. Um, try for what I was trying. What I'm trying to say. How we get caught up in details that we miss what we miss the the true aspect of communicating with God. Mm. And especially when it's, you know, throughout the entire day, we take an event and I think I got to pray for this event uh, and then finish it off. And then I'm taking a break from God in the sense that, you know, God is, is there with us all the time. We don't have to take a break from praying and then come back and take a break from praying and then come back. Yes, yes, well. yes. The mindset of pray without ceasing it's not just a light switch event sometimes with prayer right. um, that you're talking about. You want to look at Luke chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. Sure. And then I'm going to read right now Luke 5, 15 and 16. Okay, examples of Jesus. Um, Jesus left crowds, left popularity very often to pray. Uh, Luke 5, 15 and 16. But now even more the report went about Jesus abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him, right? And he's healing them. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. So there's mm-hmm. getting to um, a quiet place um, to pray just him and the Father. And he, did that, he did that a lot, too. When John the Baptist uh, passes away, it's been murdered. And, uh, and other p- times, too, where the crowds are just too much. He needs to take time. Yeah, that's a, theme, uh, that's a theme in Luke, where Jesus would right. get away from the crowds to go pray, right? And the Son of God in flesh goes to pray to his Father. Right. Um, but sometimes Jesus prays also for long periods of time. What's the passage you got, Luke 6, 12, and 13? Now, it was during this time that Jesus went out to the mountain to pray, and he spent all night in prayer to God. When morning came, he called his disciples and chose 12 of them, whom he also named apostles. Yeah, that's a, that's a long time to pray. All night. And again, in the Garden of Gethsemane, too, he's praying for you know up to three hours, if not a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going through the book of Luke right now with someone, and it's sticking out to both of us that uh, that Jesus prays very often. You'll see right before a really big event, right for yours right there, it's before he called the 12 and stuff mm-hmm. like that. He's always praying, but... You'll see him before there's any huge, you know, obvious application, I would hope, before there's huge deals in our life, I hope we're praying about it. Um, um, Jesus was confident that his father would hear him, John eleven forty one and 2. And that says, so um, they, Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. And this is Jesus right before he raises Lazarus. So Jesus has great confidence his father uh, would hear him. And, of course, Jesus you know, is also someone who prays with great emotion. You want to look at Hebrews 5, verse 7. Actually, in Hebrews 5, 5 verse 7, it's commentary on Jesus' prayer life. Not only does Jesus pray with great emotion for his love and zeal for God, um, but he's also praying that God's will would be done. So it's during his lifetime... The life of Christ offered both requests and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his devotion. Oh, that's really good. Yeah, he was heard because of his devotion. Right. Uh, I like that. What is that, the net? 
Those in net, yeah. Yeah, net devotion, ESV reverence, that, that that's the concept that Jesus wanted to do the will of his Father. Philippians 2, right. 6 through 8, he was equal of God, he didn't consider a thing to be held on to, comes down, humbles himself as the form of a man, and he's obedient to his Father, even to the point of the death, uh, even death of a cross. And those cries, those tears, I like that, the idea that are tied to this devotion of God. We're, we're making God a part of our life, our daily life. Um, yes, yes. And, and it's very active. Um, yeah, but that's a big one about praying um, according to the the will of God. There. Sure. Um, probably most of our listeners are familiar with that idea, but it is a huge... You'll run into people out in the Christian world who say, you know, I've been taught to pray the name it and claim it type of stuff. I've been taught to do that. And really, prayer for Jesus, Jesus did not want to go to the cross physically. Physically, no. Hmm. He had the will internally, spiritually, I'd say. He wanted to do that to obey his Father. Right. But there was a battle, the flesh versus spirit idea. Yeah, right. It, it, what would he say? Not my will, but your will be done. Um, yes. He trusted in God's will over his own. I think that's really important. And also, I just kind of tap back into the longevity of a, of a prayer, how long it is. I don't yeah. know if many Christians actually pray for more than an hour at a time, if if sometimes longer than that. Um, uh, we, once we did a request to pray for an hour, and it was a struggle for some people. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I, I can see why, but there's also nothing wrong. Like we, we it, there's, there's nothing, nothing wrong with a shorter prayer. Oh yeah, that's not what I'm saying. Yeah, obviously, but there's nothing wrong with writing it out. I mean, we write out stuff. That's true. You know what I'm gonna go get at the grocery store. Um, I'm always amazed when I see people still using paper for a list at the grocery store. I'm like, you have a phone. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> type you know, it out. Type it out. Write it out on a piece of paper. You know, to be fair, though, I do think better when I physically write something. I out. do, too. Yeah. I do, too. Write out a whole list of what your prayers will be. There's nothing wrong with that. We can be probably... We, we're a little bit rigid, I think, with prayer because we own... Unfortunately, if we don't have the examples in our lives and relationships of like for the disciples, they saw Jesus go out and pray. They prayed with Jesus sometimes. They themselves. asked, teach us how to pray. Yeah. They didn't... Le- the disciples didn't learn prayer from going to synagogue on Shabbat and hearing prayers in the public assembly. That's not where they learned prayer. Um, mm-hmm. That's, you know, that's great. We're commanded to do that. It's a beautiful thing to pray together as a church. But in our individual and small lives, um, it's, you know, the relational idea. I, so, I mean, what I'm taking from this is pray with people. Yeah, there we go. I guess that's <laughs> point is, you know, pray um, to pray with each other. Um, it's very interesting also, Jesus, he prays so much with his Father, and how many times is Jesus praying for other people? I mean, that was like, time, all yeah. the time. That's right. Um, Luke 22, 31 and 32 is a creepy verse. Jesus says, Simon, Simon, behold... Satan demanded to have you, that's scary, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, I think that's the idea of him coming back after he rejects Jesus. When you've turned again, strengthen your brothers. And that's when Peter goes on to say, oh, I'm going to die for you. And Jesus says, you're, you're actually going to die. <laughs> yeah, you're not. Yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Jesus prays for everyone around him. Um, that's not... And it's self-centered. That, that's going to help us, even what we talked about last time with this idea of empathy. Um, oh, yeah. God's going to help us, you know, Romans 12, weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. Mm-hmm. Um, if we are pouring out our devotion, our tears, and our cries to Him. 
Yes, devotion. I really like that with the net, the word devotion. But, of course, that means to be devoted to God means I want to do God's will, means I'm going to pray for God's will, which means, obviously, it has to come from God's Word. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, again, we get really crossed over between God's love and, and me being happy, which is just a feeling, I think. I think happiness and joy are two, in my mind, different They're two things. different things, yes. Um Right, because you got James 1, consider it all joy when you go through various trials. And a lot of people today hear happy for right. joy, and they're like, this doesn't make any sense. Right. I can be happy in my moment of sin, but joy is this idea of, oh, of an point. increased, long-time idea of, of bliss. Yeah, I like that. I can be happy when I sin. I'm very happy yeah. when you sin. It's just an emotion. Again, emotions, too. Um, kind of, a lot of things are kind of neutral where emotions are meant to be a good thing, but emotions guided by Caleb alone without God, a huge problem. Yeah, I mean, God <laughs> created emotions for us to feel, and yeah. he should be an active part of those emotions. And we just read in Hebrews 5, 7 that Jesus' right. prayers were often emotional, outcries to God. Right. Um, but he was hurt in that emotion because he was devoted to do the will of his Father. Right. That's why. Right. I think another thing I it comes with prayer, just to keep this, if we keep this conversational here, just think off the top of my head, when it comes to prayer, another aspect people complain about is this idea of, well, I'm always praying the same thing. Mm. I'm always, it always seems to be repetition, and it always seems to be the same thing. It gets monotonous at times. You want me to answer that? What do you think of that? <laughs> what do I think about that? I think I've experienced that too, where it feels repetitious. And just because they're being repetitious, again, doesn't mean, like Jesus said in Matthew 6, that you're being repetitious just for the sake to put on the show. Right. The first question is the heart. And if I'm really trying to communicate with God, even if it is repetitious, that's still a good thing. Right. Right from there. But I think that could lead us into, you know, what can help us get out of that and expand our prayer life for ourselves, for our family, with our friends and our church, whether it's big groups, small groups, or as individuals, how can we have a healthier, we're commanded to have a healthy prayer life uh, with God. And you guys know what George and I talk about a lot. I think a great starting point for prayer would be to know who God is. Oh, yeah. And we, we did a, we talked a lot about that last year. You can go check out those podcasts about kind of characters of God and the nature of God. Um, from his love to his, you know, eternality, his name, I am, all that kind of you stuff. You kind of want to know who you're talking to, who you're having a conversation with, but you also want to allow that to get to know God better, too. Yes, but I think this does help teach us, as Jesus taught his disciples, how to pray. Right. The, a big passage we looked at again and again and again and that study of who is God was Exodus 34, 6, and 7 that you hear the name of God repeated several times, Yahweh, Yahweh, right, the one who is a God merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. He's just. He'll no means clear the guilty, visiting iniquity of fathers and on children and children's children of the third and fourth generation. That idea for each generation, like the generation in the wilderness, for example, who chooses to defy God, God will be just with you. But those who call on the character of God and repent, God is always the one who is merciful, gracious, slow to anger, 
<laughs> I mean, just stuff. look at this list here, right? If I am talking to someone or if I had a choice to talk to one or two people and one of them is going to, you know, stab me in the back and curse me out and and just beat me up and, and continue to feed me negativity or I can trust someone with my emotions and how I feel, I'm going to do it with this guy who's who's loyal with love and faithfulness, who's keeping loyal love for, for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions of sin. That's that's God. That's mm-hmm. That's the one we should choose to be praying to. And that list fits any context. Right. Um, David in 2 Samuel 7 was promised, hey, an heir from you is going to reign the ha- in, on the throne forever. Right. And David was blown away by such a promise from God. And in 2 Samuel 7, 18 through 22 is really David's prayer. And David has it right when we're blessed by God, right? And what's the inexpressible gift, as Paul puts it? Salvation. That alone should be a lot. But like, we have so much. Who am I, O oh Lord God? That um, what is my house that you've brought me thus far? David realizes who when we know who God is, we see how insignificant we are. I'm in the image of God, but I have a starting point. I'm a sinner. I've made huge mistakes. Right. I'm not God. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and, I, and David's whole thing is, ah, who am I? Um, and, and he keeps appealing to God's divine name. Um, he calls himself a servant in verse 20. And in verse 21, this is what I love. This is a big thing. Because of your promise and according to your own heart, you've brought all this greatness to make your servant know it. You're great, oh Lord God. There's none like you. There's no God besides you. Um, David is really rooted into the promises of God. Mm-hmm. I mean, God's not going to give up on his promises. Uh, yeah. It's amazing that he's going to look at us. I mean, I think in one of the Psalms, David says, you know, uh, who are we that you show us love and who are we that you look upon us and in favor? Um, yeah. If you pray for God's promises, guess what the answer will always be? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and the answer is always going to be yes. It's just in our mindset, we want in our carnal minds, I want, I've made the mistake of, I want the promise to be in serious stuff. I'm not just talking shallow things like give me a car or more money. I'm talking about things like our health and, you know, those kinds of things. It's building a relationship to the point that you want God's will to oversee your own will. I mean, yes. Right. Again, like you brought up, Jesus in the garden. Right. Not my will be done, uh, but yours. But that Exodus 34, 6, and 7 passage. We could spend forever talking about it because the prophets, I mean, the rest of the Old Testament, even the New Testament, they keep going back to that description of who God is. Um, Jeremiah 32, 17, Jeremiah says, Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power, by your outstretched arm. Nothing's too hard for you. And then look at this. He quotes Exodus 34, 6 and 7. He summarizes it. You show steadfast love to thousands. You'll repay the guilt of fathers to their children after them, O great and mighty God, whose name is Yahweh of hosts. So knowing who God is, which means we know the character of God, is how we appeal to God in prayer. That's what Jeremiah does. Yeah, he does. And Jeremiah's in a very different context than David. Is oh, not? yeah. <laughs> well, what's Jeremiah dealing with? Oh, he, I mean, the people have just gotten crushed, and he's seeing his city totally destroyed there in Jerusalem, and the people taken into exile. He's seen horrible things. Yeah, David has received an awesome promise. Right. Oh, you're going to have one after who's going to reign forever. You're like, awesome. And But when we do have... Um, when we're joyful in that sense, we might use the word happy and those kinds of blessings. Maybe you got a job promotion or... Um, 
I, I don't know, you had a kid or something great like that, we can pray like David did and appeal to who God is. And then Jeremiah, when tragedy strikes, Jeremiah still is appealing to who God is. And both of those people have a, a, a future that's, they're looking at a future that's totally different mm-hmm. in the near future, but they're praying to a God that has the same will, the same the same outlook. And Jesus actually, as the Son of God, does the same thing here on earth. In John 17, the high priestly prayer, um, Jesus asks, not for himself, but he says, glorify your son so that the son may glorify you. And Jesus says in um, verse 3, eternal life, really cool verse, what is eternal life? Eternal life is that they know you, the only true God, talking to his Father, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Um, And then Jesus goes on to say, kind of tying himself in as God, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. Really cool. But my point out of that is Jesus, too, appeals to who his Father is, which has to do with himself, with his glory. But he also appeals that, oh, everyone needs to know the true God, my Father. He's appealing to who he is. And that's going to be a great hope in eternal life, right, is that we'll be with God. We'll constantly getting to know him. Yes, knowing him and knowing Jesus Christ, our God. Uh, we could talk about that a long time. Um, I think what also help us is we need to know what God, you know, wants us to do. <laughs> that's that's going to help us pray. I mean, tremendously. You recently had gone through Colossians. Mm, I did. Um, I'd written down Colossians one nine. Um, there's a zillion passage again we could go to, but if, if we know what God wants for our life then awesome, we can pray for that <laughs> because I want to pray everything in accordance with the will of God. This is kind of going to walk in the same direction as the idea of devotion in Hebrews 5, but it says, For this reason we also, from the day we heard about you, have not ceased praying for your uh, for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will and in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you may live worthily of the Lord and please him. There's an idea of devotion there in all respects, bearing fruit in every good deed, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all the power, according to the glorious might. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there it is, that our prayer life should be part of us being equipped to do the work of God. Right. That's the devotion idea. Yeah, and as we can please Him in all respects. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what is a life if it's not lived worthy for the Lord? That's kind of the question we have to ask ourselves. And if we're not praying, then we're not we're not communicating with God. We're not getting to know God. Are we worthy for the eternity that Jesus defines is is getting to know God? Yes, yes, so true. And I, I love how that reminds me again of Ephesians six, the whole armor of God idea. Yeah, is very much so intertwined with that. Um, we need to know who God is. We need to know what God wants. We could read a bunch of passages about what God wants, but we go to the Bible for that. And the other one that's hard is knowing that God uh, cares. We need to know that God cares. Um, this is a hard one because sometimes we've all experienced this as like, I'm not hearing an answer or I'm not seeing one obviously play out or, you know, my situation's not getting any better. I mean, just look at you know, people in Ukraine. You see a lot of the hurt and the pain. Um, how does God will fit into this. Does God care about these people? Yes, yes. And this is a a question godly men and women in the Bible have asked um, all the time, which is, hey, God, do you hear me? Do you see my plight? Do 
do you see him here? Um, I felt that way sometimes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think we all have felt that way. Yeah. But we need to also realize that God, you know, does hear and, us. I mean, even David throughout the Psalms is saying, you know, why do these sinful people, these evil people succeed? I don't, I don't get it, <laughs> you know? And then your people are, are, are crushed. And this is something that, um, that we, we just struggle with. Yes. Yes. Um, it makes me think of the Psalm where, I think it's Psalm 34, where the, the request says, or it, the statement is that God is near the brokenhearted. And uh, that's a passage that really, really, really resonates with me because it's a fact. That's Psalm 34, 18, that God is near the brokenhearted. And that means God is near the brokenhearted even when I feel like he's not near me if I'm the one who's brokenhearted. It says the Lord is near the brokenhearted. He delivers those who are, I like this, discouraged. Ooh, is that the net again? Discouraged? Mm-hmm. Yes, he says crushed in spirit. Um, all right, Scripture dictates reality. God dicta- dictates reality. And there, there's this one verse, Psalm 34, 18. That's a good one to memorize. The Lord is near the brokenhearted, even... If I don't feel like it, that's right. Um, I, I'm not saying that makes it easier, but it, it's some sort of comfort to know. No, He is near. I think in Acts 17, they're asking, "Well, where is this this God?" And, and, and Paul's like, he's talking to the Athenians. He's like, he, "You just reach out, and He's there. He's there. He's not mm-hmm. like these multiple gods that live on a mountain or are separate. He's He's near, omnipresent. Right? Yeah." I think of also, I don't have time to read out, Jonah too. Jonah's prayer is interesting because Jonah outright told God, I'm not going to go to Nineveh because Jonah's like kind of racist. He doesn't like <laughs> he doesn't like the Ninevites. And he goes out on his boat, gets swallowed by the great fish in the sea. And Jonah prays to Yahweh, his God, from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress. He answered me. And that's pretty interesting that, you know, Jonah... You're talking about being rebellious against God. Jonah's in a life and death situation. I mean, he's going to he die is. there, and he's wronged God. Like he, in a sense, deserves right. He deserves what he's getting. Oh yeah. This is this is kind of a foxhole prayer. If there's anyone in Scripture, this is really a foxhole prayer from Jonah, who's rejected God. He's going to die. Ask for deliverance. God in his mercy delivers because God still cared about Jonah, even though Jonah had been incredibly wicked. Um, no, that's so true. That's so true. Jonah's a Jonah's one of my favorite books in the Bible. Yeah, that's the first sermon I heard was uh from you, was on Jonah. Oh yeah. yeah that, that, was that down. when I visited? Yeah, yeah. I wasn't even a preacher yet. And I was like, who is this guy? I wasn't even thinking about being a preacher yet. What a throwback. Twenty nineteen, pre COVID. Yeah. Didn't even know what a COVID was. No. <laughs> <laughs> what a time. Yeah, well, I guess you already knew that. I love I love Jonah. So we got to know who God is, know what God wants, uh, know that God cares, and know that God is king, that he reigns. That's something we've read a lot in Acts 2. When Jesus has arisen from the dead, he's ascended to the right hand of his Father. Right? The sermon is quoting Peter's quoting Psalm 110, the Lord said to my Lord, sit in my right hand to make your enemies a footstool, that Jesus is king and Lord. Right now, we tied that in when we talked about um, what is the gospel. Now, that's it crucial. Is. I feel it like is. that part gets skipped a lot. No, Jesus is reigning now. 
He he absolutely is. I like I like this um this other verse here. This is from I was looking for this when you were t- picking up Jonah Acts ten verse thirty four. Yeah, um, with Cornelius Peter says, I know I now truly understand that God does not show favoritism in dealing with people, but in every nation, the person who fears Him and does what is right, welcomed before Him, mm. is welcomed before Him. I like that. Um, uh, just this this idea that, that God, even though it, it may not seem like He's near, God's looking at you know what we're doing. Look at the fruits that we're trying to bear. Are we, are we doing what is right? And, and He's near and he, he is listening. Wow, I like that. It's a good prayer. All that is very much so a part of this picture of needing to know who God is, knowing what God wants, knowing that God cares, and knowing you know that. God reigns. I mean, that's what we say when we say, oh, Lord, right? The Lord Jesus. Lord, he reigns. He's king. He's the king of glory. Uh, It's a reality um, that's lived by faith. Yeah, it is. It is. And uh, even though we're looking at all the things that are happening in this world and we're praying for people and in our own lives, we're seeing things that kind of be hard to see or dealing with things that can be hard. We have to have faith. And we have to grow in that faith. I'm comforted when I look in the, you know, on Ukraine situation. I read Psalm 34, verse 21. It says, evil people self-destruct. And those who hate the godly are punished. Yes, yes. Well, I guess that would bring us to the faith in action then. Yeah. Which is very specifically, um, right now we have brothers and sisters in Ukraine and Russia in need of help. Russia, because of the sanctions... It's like impossible. It is impossible to get money to brothers and sisters who are in Russia. Yeah. And so that's something to pray about. Um, It is very hard. uh, Milwaukee, for those of you who want to know more, always ask the elders or anyone in the church to find out about all that, how many, you know, we support people in Russia and they're in need of our prayers. And then obviously Ukraine, the people of Ukraine, it's getting literally, you know, blown up. It's just being destroyed. And um, Brady, in a sermon a few weeks ago, talked about seeing some encouraging pictures, though, where Christians were praying on the streets together and yeah. in bunkers. Um, make sure we say thank you, too. I know it sounds weird, but when I see the Christians in Ukraine praying in such a time of horrific distress, I tell God thank you because that encourages me. And, I'm, and then I ask God to protect them. Um, there's so much to pray for. What else would you add to that? There's a lot to pray for there. I, I mean, uh, that's kind of going on in our culture right now. And so, um, yeah, uh, well, was, we wanted to bring this out with that definitely in mind. But I mean, just constantly pray for the things that are going on in your life. Yeah. For you guys at home, you know, it might help to practically, if you're struggling to pray, pick a time and location to do so. Mm-hmm. That can help. There's nothing wrong with setting a reminder on your phone or whatnot in order to do it. Um, find desolate places like Jesus did. Desolate. Just walk outside of Lubbock into some dust field. <laughs> but find a quiet place might be a better word. Find a quiet place to go and pray. Um, I think really this is summed up in Matthew 6, 9 through 13, right? The Lord's Prayer, as it's called, that our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Who is God? We want God glorified. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it's in heaven, we want to do the will of God, right? That's knowing what God wants. Give us this day our daily bread, asking for sustenance to do his will. Forgive us our debts. That only comes in Jesus. As we also have forgiven our debtors, when we pray and ask for forgiveness, it'll probably make us more forgiving toward other people. And remember the hearts and other people. 
And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's a good prayer to repeat. And that's a prayer that we can use as an outline for all our prayers. Yeah. I mean, not holding back, pouring out your emotions and your cries. Oh, that's what Hannah says in First Samuel 1, 15 or 16. She says, I've poured out my soul. We've got to check this out. Hold on. I'm sorry. Yep. But Hannah, yeah, she's getting, you know, speaking from her heart. And Eli observes her and thinks she might be drunk because like, and but she says in verse fifteen, "No, my lord, I'm a woman of troubled in spirit. I haven't drunk wine or, or strong drink. I'm not drunk, but I've been pouring out my soul before Yahweh." Love that prayer. Um, that's a really beautiful way to put it. That's good. Yeah. Well, um, George is going to say for us a real quick prayer for the situation in Ukraine, for everyone involved, for our brothers and sisters. We want you guys to do the same at home and to advance in your prayer life to grow closer to the Lord. He is near, and he very much so cares for us. Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, we come to you. We know that you are great and awesome and mighty God, Lord, and you stretch out your hand, and, and your will is done, Lord, that we ask that you follow your will, and we have faith that your will will plan out, Lord. We're thankful for the lives that we do have and the influence and outreach that we have on others. Lord, help us to remember the hearts of others and care for those that are in need. Lord, be with uh, the situation in, in Ukraine and be with those that are struggling and seeing horrible things. Lord, lift up their hearts that they may see you better. And be with those that are in Russia, that they may, you know, not only get to better know you, but but know each other better and and, uh, and increase their faith so that they are doing your will. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Go pray, everyone. That's a wrap. Go so.